Huckabee, United States Vice President Mike Pence, Larry, Steve, and Rudy, the Gatlin Brothers, and Congressman Mark Green. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Bilbrey. And now... Welcome, everyone, to our theater. We are delighted to have you, and what a fantastic show that we have for you, including the Vice President of the United States. We've got the Gatlin Brothers. We've got just so much that you will not want to miss it. One thing you could do, call your friends and tell them to tune in with you and not miss this show. Because if they miss it, and then you tell them about it, they're going to be really ticked off at you. <laughs> this is your chance to make a friend. Now, if you're watching on demand at 3 o'clock in the morning, especially call your friends and tell them <laughs> to go to Huckabee.tv and watch it on demand. That'll make a real friend out of them. Hey, you know what the media and the Democrats in Congress keep missing by spending all of your time on the phony impeachment obsession? They're missing, and maybe it's intentional, they're missing what's happening for the average American worker. And I'm not talking about the big shots and the wealthiest 1% that Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren hate so much. I'm not even talking about billionaires or millionaires. But here is what's happening to the average American worker. Now, of course, this means that some are doing even better. And some may not be doing quite as well. But here are the facts. Just the facts, ma'am, as Sergeant Joe Friday might say. And if you don't know who Sergeant Joe Friday is, then you're probably about the same age as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. <laughs> and that means there are a lot of other things that you and she don't know. <laughs> All right, here, here's, here are the facts. Real household income has crossed the $65,000 line this summer for the first time ever. Now, that's a pretty big deal because it means that families not only have more money, it means they can spend more. And when they spend it, it churns the entire economy because when you can afford to buy something, somebody else has to make it, package it, ship it, sell it, deliver it. And if it's coming to my house and has to be put together, somebody's got to be hired to put it together because it ain't going to be me. <laughs> and if the extra money enabled you to go out to eat, that means that someone sold the food to the restaurant, someone cooked it, someone served it, and hopefully... Even that someone got a nice tip from you for taking good care of refilling your iced tea. In less than three years, because of the Trump-led tax cuts, the average American, think about this, kept $1,400 more of his or her money than they did before just due to the lower taxes. And, yeah, that's something to applaud. And combined with pre-tax income increases of about $4,144 per year, that's $5,500 more bucks in your pocket than before. Now, I want you to remember that, that every single one of the leading Democrats running for president think you shouldn't have those tax cuts. And they've promised to take them back so they can spend that money instead of you. And if you want a job... There's really no excuse not to have one. Okay, it may not be the exact job that you want, but here's a big piece of news, that the bottom-feeding catfish news network, known as CNN, will never tell you. Did you catch that? Bottom-feeding catfish news network. That's what I call CNN. Anyway, they won't tell you that the unemployment rate overall is 3.5%, which is the lowest since 1968. That's... 51 years ago. And for women, the 3.4% unemployment rate is the lowest since 1953. And you may think I'm old, but I wasn't even born then. <laughs> this is the biggest job news for women since before I was born. And for Hispanics and African Americans, it is the best employment situation ever in history. Ever. 
as in, as in since the start of the nation. And just for the record, I wasn't around for that either. Now, when the government takes less of your paycheck and they let you spend your money on what's important to you, don't you like that? I mean, when you have more options for jobs and you make more than you did before, isn't that better for you? So if you don't like the president's tweets, fine. But remember, everyone who wants to replace him also wants to replace your paycheck with one where you get less of it and the government gets more of it. Now, if that's the choice I got, I'm going to put up with a few tweets that may seem harsh sometimes because I'd rather have the freedom of spending more of my hard-earned pay the way I believe pleases God rather than have the government grab it and spend it on a bunch of stuff I don't need and I don't want. Well, we are honored to have with us in our studio tonight someone who represents something rare in Washington, a man of great faith and integrity and a champion of the sanctity of life and religious liberty, as well as a longtime champion of a government that is fiscally sound. He's a former governor of Indiana and a U.S. congressman from the Hoosier State. He's also the 48th vice president of the United States. Would you please welcome the Honorable Mike Pence, Vice President of the United States. Mr. Vice President, I'd say the uh, Mike Pence fan club has assembled in Nashville today. <laughs> you have been on an unbelievable travel schedule. I, I get the, uh, I, I guess, the press release every day of where you're going to be. And I think most people would get tired reading it, much less living it. <laughs> but you're all over the country talking to Americans about trade agreements, talking to them about the economy. How many of them come up to you and say, Mr. Vice President, I want to talk about impeachment. How many of them say that? For literally two and a half years, Democrats have been doing their level best to tear down this president, tear down this administration. You know, for more than two years, it was all about Russia collusion until the Justice Department found no collusion, no obstruction, case closed. Hmm. Two weeks ago, they were talking about impeaching Justice Brett Kavanaugh after, after slanderous accusations of a year ago. And then, of course, we all saw before she had all the facts, Speaker Nancy Pelosi announced an impeachment inquiry. And I think the American people are saying enough is enough. We want a Congress to work on the issues that matter to the American people. And it's all about, it's all about jobs. It's all about security, and this president and I are absolutely determined we're going to continue fighting for all the things that the American people elected us to advance. I mean, think about it, Mike. Mm. I mean, thanks to President Trump's leadership, uh, we've rebuilt our military. We've restored the arsenal of democracy. We've revived the American economy. As of last week, unemployment now is at a 51-year low. There's more Americans working today than ever before in the history of this country. Uh, and uh, at last count, 153 conservatives appointed to our federal courts at every level, including two Supreme Court justices. That's a generational change. That's going to be something that long after this administration is in the history books, the impact of constitutionally consistent justice, justices and judges, that's going to be a legacy that well, this administration will have. It really have. is. When you talk about promises made, promises kept, you know, as a candidate, President Trump said that he was going to appoint conservatives to our federal courts in the model of the late and great Justice Antonin Scalia, and he's done just that. I can mm -hmm. tell you, Justice Brett Kavanaugh, 
Justice Neil Gorsuch and the more than 150 men and women, I, I promise you there are all going to be men and women who, who stand for all the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution, the freedom of speech, the freedom of religion, and the right to keep and bear arms. Yeah. Um, well, that's the story. That's, that's what I've been traveling across the country. We've got a great opportunity. The president's negotiated the largest trade deal in American history. And we've been traveling all across the country talking about what we've accomplished over the last two and a half years. And to your point earlier, the, the contrast of that with what the Democrats in Congress have been doing, I, I think is very frustrating to millions of Americans. There is a real disconnect, Mr. Vice President, between what's happening in Washington and what happens around the dinner table of American families night after night. What will it take to get Washington to wake up and say, you know, we would be better off if we were working on our infrastructure, closing the southern border and doing something responsible and getting the United States-Mexican-Canadian trade agreement passed. Right? What is it going to take to get them to understand that? Well, it's what it always takes with Washington, D.C., and that is the voice of the American people. Hmm. An election. Well, even, even before, huh? Even before the election. You know, I've been traveling around the country talking about the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement, which uh, is not just the largest trade deal in American history, but it comes at a time that the president has demonstrated an ability to negotiate a trade deal that puts American businesses, American workers, American farmers first. And yet, uh, here it, it sits on Speaker Pelosi's desk in what, what we call the, the do-nothing Democrats in Congress. Uh, all the while they're spending and their latest accusations and their latest controversy. And the American people, we think that when the USMCA is passed, we think it'll create 175,000 good-paying jobs all across this country. And it's time for Congress to act. And we're going to keep pushing for them to do it. Democrats hated NAFTA. The unions hated NAFTA. Right. USMCA really takes care of the things they didn't like and puts in a really good trade agreement that Republicans like, Democrats right. should like. Why aren't they putting this on the front burner and getting this done? The truth is that the president rolled his sleeves up. I was in on a lot of these discussions. He drove a really hard bargain uh, with the Canadians and the Mexicans and, and got a deal that really puts the American economy and the American worker first. But because of their obsession with trying to impeach this president, Democrats continue to let the USMCA languish on Speaker Pelosi's desk. But I'm absolutely convinced if the American people let their voice be heard, if they contact members of the House and Senate and say, we want the USMCA, we'll get the USMCA done this year. And it'll be a win for the American people. It really would be. I, I want to turn the corner to something that happened the other day in, in the White House, I saw a video that was so moving. Mm. It was a young uh, lady who had come to the United States at the age of 11 from Ethiopia, having been adopted after being abandoned by her parents. She was at the White House. I saw you standing right behind her and the president. And in a spontaneous and most amazing moment, she called everyone in that room to have prayer for the president. We had... We had young African-American leaders who'd come in from all over the country uh, who are excited about what this president is doing uh, for the country and for their community. I have to tell you, when you look today, more than 8,000 opportunity zones that are creating an incentive for investment in some of our cities that have been struggling. We passed criminal justice reform that brings, that brings renewed hope uh, to, to people that have been caught up in an incarceration system. And, and finally, African-American unemployment is the lowest level ever recorded in the history of this country. And the room was filled with excitement about that. And, and at the tail end. Yeah. Yeah. But, but to your point, at the very end, yeah. a, a young lady who was just down on the rope line uh, shouted to the president that we ought to close the meeting in prayer. And one thing that's true about President Donald Trump... He never hesitates to take an opportunity for prayer, and he invited that young lady up, and we had the most beautiful prayer, uh, prayer for the nation, and uh, I could tell the president was moved. I was deeply moved. Um, I'm someone who truly believes, well, it's always been true, that the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous people availeth much, and that was a special prayer.
It was a beautiful, beautiful scene, and it was obviously not rehearsed, not planned. It was a spontaneous moment, and it was just, just magic. We're going to continue our conversation with the Vice President in just a moment. We're going to talk about some personal things. We'll be right back after this break. <laughs> And we are back with Vice President Mike Pence. Uh, I said we're going to talk about some personal things because I think a lot of people, they know you're the Vice President, they knew you as a governor and a congressman, but there's some pretty cool stories about Mike Pence that I want us to get into. One is Charles Colson's influence on your life, because mm. I thought he was one of the greatest human beings, one of the most brilliant human beings I'd ever been around, and I know he meant a lot to you. Why? When I was leading conservatives in the House of Representatives, he, um, like he did with, I think, many people over the course of his life. He kind of took me under wing and, and was a mentor and a friend. And um, uh, I, I can tell you that his, uh, his work in the prison fellowship ministry, but his, his keen insight about uh, the nation uh, still influences me to this day. I don't, I don't go too long without taking the time to dust off some of his writings and read a little bit. Um, Wouldn't he be America's proud today of Wilson. the First Step Initiative that you worked on, that the president signed and worked so hard to get done in a bipartisan. I mean, when you can bring people as far apart as Van Jones and, um, you know, anyone to the right, anyone, and get them together and have them in the same room celebrating a piece of legislation, it's pretty significant. And I think a lot of that, the spiritual maybe uh, inspiration for that goes all the way back to Chuck Colson. Chuck Colson was someone who believed in second chances. Yeah. And uh, with the First Step Act, that would not have happened without President Trump's leadership. I mean, he literally brought together Democrats and Republicans uh, and, and brought together leaders in the law enforcement community and crafted legislation that uh, was a great, great contribution to mm -hmm. the life of the nation and to our system of justice. But Chuck Colson, I have no doubt, impacted that. You, you've shown an enormous level of personal leadership, something you got scorned for, but that is that you're very dedicated to your lovely wife, Karen, the second lady of the United States. You don't go and have moments with women that are not your wife without your wife present. And there were people that thought, well, that's so old-fashioned, that's so nutty, can't believe somebody would actually do that. And then the Me Too movement came around and everybody said, Mike Pence is a genius. He's the only guy in America that has nobody who can ever say something about his fidelity to his spouse. Thank you, Mike. I'm humbled by that. Um, let me say, other than my decision to put my faith in Christ, the second best decision I ever made was when I asked Karen Whitaker to be my wife. Um, she's an amazing person. She is an amazing person. I, I agree an, with that. She's an amazing second lady. She's, uh, she's just got such a heart for military families, traveling all over the country, supporting military spouses. and. But yeah, it was, um, I, I got to tell you, the things that you get criticized for in public life sometimes surprise you. <laughs> that one did. We, I think I'd mentioned in an interview 15 years ago that a promise my wife and I had made is that we, we would never, I would never dine alone with a woman, not my wife. I'm very proud of the women who've served with me, served on my senior staff when I was in Congress, served on my cabinet when I was governor. We've dynamic and talented women around us and um, but it kind of became a thing for a little while and um, but I you know it's it, everyone you know everyone finds their own way but I, I have to tell you what uh, we're coming up on uh, about uh, 35 years of you better get that number right and, you know, uh, you'll be eating alone a lot if I you don't I think you're right and uh, <laughs> great, greatest uh, blessing in my life is having Karen Pence is my wife. Well, I'm really wanting to let people know the Mike Pence that maybe they don't know. They see the vice president. But that guy who, uh, you know, was influenced in college, been faithful to his wife, has raised remarkable children, <laughs> and is an amateur cartoonist. <laughs> the, the part of your biography, well, I, I got to admit. Amateur. Excuse uh... me. Okay. 
So he's a professional cartoonist. It just happens to be the people. <laughs> so how good, often do I... you do this stuff? Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Do you do cartoons regularly? I did a cartoon strip when I was in high school, and then I did one in college. I did one in law school. And in fact, I was just over at, at a wonderful business here in Nashville, Tyson. They had yeah. me sign a sign, and I, I drew a caricature on that. I like doing that kind of thing. I, Given all the editorial cartoons that hammer the president and yes. you, don't you think you ought to do some and go back at him? And <laughs> <laughs> Not a bad idea. <laughs> I think we're lucky to have this president at this point in time. But I think this president is very fortunate to have you. You guys make a great team, and we're very honored that you're here to share with us. Thank you so very much. I want to extend our deepest appreciation to Vice President Mike Pence for being with us. And we want you to know that you've got our prayers for the future and for all the things that you have to deal with every single day. For those in our audience who want to keep up with all of the uh, world of the vice president, you can visit his webpage at whitehouse.gov. Follow him on Facebook at Mike Pence and on Twitter at VP. All right, Keith, why don't you tell us what else we have to look forward to tonight? Well, coming up, Jordan Sekulow digs into the deep state. And representing the great state of Tennessee, it's Congressman Mark Green. And later, it's Larry, Steve, and Rudy, the Gatlin Brothers, sing right here on Huckabee. from pretzels to purpose, and Greg Jarrett uncovers a political witch hunt. All right, a quick program note. If you are a Sunday viewer of our show on TVN, next week, October the 20th, we're going to be moving for one evening only from 9 p.m. Eastern to 11 p.m. Eastern so that the Dove Awards can be presented in their entirety. Now, even with my great bass playing... We're still not up for a nomination in the solo bassist category. I do not understand that. But we do hope that you'll watch the Dove Awards. Then stay tuned for our show on Sunday, October the 20th at 11 p.m. Eastern, 10 o'clock Central. Well, from avoiding babies on planes to high-tech Japanese toilets, we've got the news that'll have you saying, get me out of here, on a segment we like to call In Case You Missed It. Well, there's finally something truly worthy of a Nobel Prize. Japan Airlines has introduced an online booking tool that tells flyers where babies will be sitting before you pick your seat. That way you can sit as far away as possible from the little darlings. Now, some people on social media protested that this was intolerance. Now, I knew the Democrats were acting like screaming babies, but I didn't know that screaming babies were actually acting like Democrats, okay? <laughs> But still, I think wanting to avoid sitting next to a screaming baby on an airplane has to be one of the more acceptable forms of bigotry. Now, if they'll just add an app that tells you where the people will be sitting who take up two seats, play with their bare feet, snore loudly, slam their seat back in front of you into your computer screen without warning, obviously that's happened a few times, or who drink too much or haven't showered in a week, are who won't stop talking loudly. Then I'll start flying Japan Airlines. <laughs> that is if they fly between Florida and Nashville. Well, this next story gives new meaning to the term Coke float. Three men whose ship sank off the coast of Columbia were rescued after three hours of bobbing around in the ocean. Being drug dealers, I wonder if it was a speedboat. Anyway, luckily for them, their cargo floated, so they were able to cling to dozens of watertight containers that acted just like flotation devices. Unluckily for them, their flotation devices contained about 1.2 tons of cocaine. That'll keep you afloat for a long time. Now, they were rescued and then promptly arrested, although it did take a while to rescue them because every time the Coast Guard threw them a line, they snorted it.
In a related story, the largest gathering of blowfish ever seen in open waters. <laughs> Strangely enough, they were found gathered around the same three men and their cargo of cocaine. <laughs> blowfish, you get that, right? Okay. <laughs> Dateline Tokyo. While Japan hosted the Rugby World Cup, they decided to show off the future of going to the bathroom by premiering their futuristic robo-commodes. These loos have everything from opening automatically when you approach them to warming the seat for you on a cold night. Now, while the high level of comfort might seem appealing to fans visiting the land of the self-rising lid, the panel of 15 buttons seemed a bit overwhelming. 15 buttons on a toilet. A French rugby fan declared, I don't know which one to press. There were strange symbols with sprays going into every direction. Another said the flush was on the other side. I frantically pressed all the buttons and it made strange noises. Hey, governor, Governor. Yeah. Do you know what you call a bathroom superhero? I have no idea. I'm a little nervous to know. Flush Gordon. Oh man, Keith. Honestly? Yeah. If you were a fairy, I think I'd call you Stinkerbell after that joke. Okay, while Westerners are adapting to the state-of-the-art facilities, high-tech toilets are really big in Japan, with the top-end models costing over $9,000. Wi-Fi, by the way, is not included in that, so. <laughs> and finally tonight, which I know you're happy to hear, finally tonight, we are in the midst of a PSL again. That's pumpkin spice latte time for the ladies of America. But on this show, we believe that men deserve an equal chance at getting excited about this delightful treat. Maybe with some products that matter to us. So here we go. Pumpkin spice should get splashed on the following products. For example, antifreeze. Why not let your car get spiced up on the highway? My favorite, pork rinds. Hey, forget the barbecue and ranch. Time for some PSR, pumpkin spice rinds. I say sui. And after you eat too many of them, pumpkin spice KO pectate to the rescue. <laughs> so I say, gentlemen, start your engines because it's that pumpkin spice time of year. <laughs> and with that last story, it's finally time for us to make like a tree and leave. But never forget, we read the news. Well, you can finally relieve your faces of your fake smiles and put on real ones because we've got a lot of great show yet to come. And our good friend, Keith Bilbrey, he's the one who has been designated to tell you all about it. Keith? Next, Republican Congressman Mark Green, and later the legendary country music voices of the Gatlin Brothers. Lots more Huckabee is on the way. Be sure to go to MikeHuckabee.com and sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. And welcome back to our show. Hey, a trip to the Holy Land is an incredible experience that'll leave you with wonderful memories for the rest of your life. The cities and towns of the Bible come alive when you walk where Jesus and where the apostles and the patriarchs of the Bible walked. I hope you'll join me this March and visit Jerusalem, Nazareth, the Galilee, and many more unforgettable places from both the Old and the New Testaments. And we'll visit the Dead Sea. And probably the media will blame President Trump for it being dead. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> Just go to thegreatesttrip.com for complete details. It's thegreatesttrip.com. But you better hurry. Spaces are filling up fast. And I'd love to spend time with you in Israel this March. Well, my next guest is a decorated Army flight surgeon, a physician, a businessman, and the congressional representative for Tennessee's 7th Congressional District. He's a leader in the fight to protect American security and our military and veterans. He's rapidly becoming a leader in the House of Representatives and a true voice of reason. Would you please welcome Dr. and Representative Mark Green. Congressman, welcome back. Thanks for having me on the show. Great, Great to be with you. Back. You have been one of the leaders in 
trying to bring legislation that would stop sanctuary cities. Yes. And, and I don't understand how it even is a controversial to have legislators would say that you can't carve out against federal law and say our city is not gonna obey the law. What if a, a, a local governor or mayor decided that they were gonna have a sanctuary state or a sanctuary city for life and they just decided there will be no abortions here because I say so. Sure. What's that, different that, about that? that well, <laughs> it, they, the frustrating thing about this is we have individuals who have committed crimes and been released in some cases seven, 14 different times. And, and then they go on to murder someone. I mean, what do you tell that family member that has, has this murder has been protected in this sanctuary city? You know, the bill I passed in Tennessee, and, and in Tennessee now, this is law. Uh, if a city tries to become a sanctuary city, we pull their economic development money. So they lose the dollars. Standard. And it is law. So. As it should be. Yes, sir. Would your legislation in Congress, would it do the same thing at the federal level? Yes, sir. It, uh, very similar, yes. Why is it hard even to get that done? I would think that people of Congress would recognize they have an obligation to their citizens to protect them above protecting people uh, who are trying to escape and skirt the law. It's the same reason that they want an open border. I mean, they want everyone to come. And I think it empowers them at the, at the ballot box. I believe that's why they want to do it. Right now, there is so much going on in D.C., impeachment talk at the yes, House sir. of Representatives. It, it, it appears, at least on surface, um, that the Republicans are being pretty much shut out of the entire process. Yes, sir. When that happens, how can this be legitimate? Oh, it isn't legitimate. She has commandeered the whole House of Representatives and way, uh, basically leveraged it against the executive branch without the people of Tennessee having any say in this. And that's unconscionable, it's undemocratic, it's wrong. And uh, we, we're standing up to her as much as we possibly can. Do you see a resolution? How will this end up? So you're asking me to look into that crystal ball. Absolutely. Of an, I want you to be a, of a congressman. You, you've been, been a doctor, a congressman, you've been in the military, now be a prophet. So, uh, <laughs> Um, I, my guess is they find a reason. We have an election, or we have a vote, and, and they, there's an impeachment. And, and you think some of those Democrats in these very, let's say, tenuous House districts, where they barely got elected, and they're in districts where the president carried, will go ahead and vote with well, the her? Won't, the, vote won't happen until, the vote won't happen until she knows she has the votes. All of this is just on her edict. Normally, in all the cases before, the House voted to initiate the process. Because basically you're saying the legislative branch is gonna take down the executive branch. And interestingly enough, you know, they've gone after the president, now they're attacking our vice president. Well, if they get both of those out, Nancy Pelosi's president. I mean, I know that's constitutionally how it happens. Do you honestly think, I mean, are, are they plotting something that ridiculous? Is I think it's all about 2020 for them. Yeah. Well, first off, it's about revenge for 2016. I mean, they still have not gotten over the fact that Donald Trump was elected president of the United States. These are people who are not moving on, and they have spent every day that this president has been in office trying to figure out how to overturn an election. My perspective is, and I, and I really want you to address this. Yes, sir. That's a dangerous thing. If we start saying, I don't like how it turned out, rather than wait to the next one, I'm just going to redo the one we just had. That's a scary thing to do to this republic of ours. Well, honestly, it's tyranny, right? I mean, it's tyranny. It's, it's saying that the voice of the people doesn't matter. What matters is what we want. But if you look at the legislation that the Democrats have brought forward, that's exactly what they're saying. House Resolution 1 takes California's fraudulent election system and forces it on everyone else. H.R. 5 does away with religious freedoms. I mean, the socialist agenda of the Green New Deal is all about concentrating power into the hands of fewer and fewer people. And we can ask the folks in Venezuela what happens when that happens. Before we get away, I want you to address health care, something obviously you're yes, well familiar with. A lot of the uh, presidential candidates on the other side have said Medicare for all. Uh, we have one payer. It's going to be the government. Um, does that excite you or scare you? It scares me to death, right? Because the... When people are competing, quality is better and price is better. 
But in the, the, the systems we have today, there's not competition. Nobody who, particularly who gets Medicaid assistance from the government, is shopping for price. And until there's an incentive for people to shop for price, we can't fix health care in America. Well, let's hope that you and others like you in the Congress can hold the line. Uh, we're always thrilled to have you here. Thank I, you, Governor. I know you're close by, and I hope we see you often here, Thank Congressman. You. I truly it's good do. To be here. Thank you. My thanks to Representative Mark Green for being with us again. Visit his official website at markgreen.house.gov. Also, follow him on Facebook. That's at Rep. Mark Green TN for Tennessee, for those of you that didn't know your states. And on Twitter, at Rep. Mark Green. Now, Keith Bilbrey doesn't do much for keeping this show secure, but he really is great at moving it along, so we're going to let him do just that right now. Well, thank you. Coming up, attorney Jordan Seculo explains how to stop the political battles and help secure the future of our nation. Then Larry, Steve, and Rudy Gatlin join us for performance on Huckabee. And welcome back. I'll tell you, sometimes the only thing brighter than these lights in my face is the great music by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. Yeah. <clears throat> well, with the Democrats openly embracing an aggressive far-left agenda, the next election may forever alter the course of America. My next guest is a lawyer, a radio host, and a best-selling author whose brand-new books warns conservatives what's coming up and how to beat it. Would you please welcome the author of this book, The Next Red Wave, Jordan Seculo joins us. Jordan, welcome. Thanks for having me, Governor. Great to have you. So the book is called The Next Red Wave. Yep. So you're advocating or, or saying you sense that something uh, pretty significant will happen in 2020, yep. uh, not only in the presidential election, but in congressional elections and then all the way down yep. to the local level. Yep. Why do you say that in light of all these polls that we hear every day that sure. say, that the president is not doing that well and, and, you know, the numbers are pushing good for the Democrats. So it's a pretty interesting book because uh, both uh, me and one of my co-authors were on the president's legal team and uh, dealt with the whole Mueller investigation and the Russia thing. And what we realized as we were writing this book is that we wanted to wait until that was done, but we realized the deep state actors weren't done. And it was unique because the day this book released was the day Nancy Pelosi announced this phony impeachment inquiry, and then we found out about this phony whistleblower who went to uh, Chairman Schiff before actually going to the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community. So we knew that there was just this deep-seated, really, hatred for President Trump and the conservative values, not that he, he espoused, but that he was actually implementing governor. And I think that that was what was so exciting for a lot of us, and why we wrote this book is because we want to remind people, one, what it was like under the Obama administration for religious liberty, for imprisoned Americans abroad, for their faith, the difference between a, a, a Saeed Abedini and a Pastor Andrew Brunson, uh, the targeting of conservative groups by the IRS under the Obama administration, and what it's been like under President Trump. Let's not give that up, those Supreme Court nominations that have been great and lower court not. I mean, we're close to flipping the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals to where it's a Republican, almost it's three votes, uh, three seats away from being a Republican majority appointed court. I mean, that is a huge shift that could happen under the next four years of President Trump. Now, but that's of course, a we got to get there. Talk. I was going to say yeah. Ninth Circuit, so people will know. That's yeah. the one out in California the that is so liberal that it is actually somewhere between California and Hawaii. It's that far out yeah. to the left. <laughs> yeah. And in, in fact, <laughs> it, is. it is the most overturned right. appellate court. In America. You know what's interesting, Governor, too? This Planned Parenthood, and the, d President Trump should get a lot of credit for this. Presidents have had this ability to defund by executive order about 60 million, not all of Planned Parenthood's federal funding, but about 60 million through executive order. No Republican pro life president has done it in the past. No Democrat, obviously, did, has done it in the past. He did it, and Planned Parenthood ran to the Ninth Circuit. Yeah, it is great. Very proud of him for that. Yeah. A lot of babies are alive and yeah. will be because of that. It's, it's, to me, it's like how he recognized Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Yeah. All these presidents have had the ability to do it, but he actually did it. But what was interesting was 
Planned Parenthood ran to their usual home, the Ninth Circuit, and thought they're going to save us. And they didn't. Hmm. And so they kept it. They, they went from the district court to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. They went on bonk to the whole court, and they lost. And so they don't really have a place to go. They lost that $60 million, uh, $60 million a year of funding, betting that the courts would come and save them. And so just there alone is one issue, I think, to excite people about 2020. So I guess... Let me be the skeptic. Yeah. How can I be confident that there's a red wave coming and not a blue one? Because the Democrats are pretty confident that they're going to I think, I think really there's a couple back. of ways. I think, one, um, the silent majority is, is just getting angrier and angrier, and they're going to start coming out more in droves uh, for President Trump. I think this impeachment inquiry, which is unconstitutional because there should be a vote. Nancy Pelosi should require every member of the House to vote on a resolution to open an impeachment inquiry. She doesn't want to do that because it puts a lot of vulnerable Democrats in a bad spot. If you look back in history, these impeachment moves for political purposes have always backfired on the party that started them. And this is, a, this is again, a move by Nancy. I, I think it's a Hail Mary by Nancy Pelosi and Adam Schiff and, and Chuck Schumer because they know their candidates can't stand up to Donald Trump. So they've got to do anything possible to dirty him as voters prepare and start, start thinking about not just how they'll cast their vote, you know, a, less, a little less than 400 days from now, but how involved they'll be. And that's what we finished the book with. You need to take your involvement past just don't bury your vote. We use some parables from the Bible. Uh, you know, it's, it's again, don't, don't bury your vote. Actually get out there and multiply it by getting involved, uh, whether it's a grassroots group, whether it's a county party, a state party, or if you're in a state, where the Trump campaign is going to be actively involved, it's, it's an incredible experience, even if you only have an hour a week and, and to the, go in and phone bank. The bottom line of that is that whether there's a red or a blue wave really depends upon the people exactly. who are watching us now. And if you want to know whether you can be a part of a red or a blue wave, you can get a copy of Jordan Sekulow's book, The Next Red Wave, How Conservatives Can Beat Leftist Aggression, Rhino Betrayal, and Deep State Subversion. Get it wherever books are sold. And be sure to keep up with the legal work of the American Center for Law and Justice as they battle to protect religious and constitutional freedoms. Find out more watching their videos or listening to their radio broadcasts at aclj.org. It's on your screen. And just a reminder, once again, this Sunday, October 20th, we're going to be airing at 11 p.m. Eastern on TBN for one night only so that you can enjoy the Dove Awards in its entirety. Mark 11 p.m. Eastern on your calendar for next Sunday or go to Huckabee.tv and watch our show anytime on demand. Keith, I don't know what kind of wave you're going to be uh, having over there, but we know you've been holding back more good stuff for tonight's show. Spill the beans. Tell us what's coming. Okay, here we go. Next, Larry, Steve, and Rudy, the Gatlin Brothers, join us to perform on Huckabee. Yeah, that's Larry Gatlin over there saying all that stuff. Welcome back to our show, because look, our next guests are legendary country music entertainers. They've got more Grammy, CMA, and ACM awards and all the gold in California. Like oh. Yeah, they do. Oh. They are successful singers and performers because of their dedication to their craft, as well as to one another as brothers. Later this month, Larry's going to be inducted into the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. I think that's a pretty big deal. They all grew up in West Texas. That's a place where the wind never stops blowing and the people never stop being some of the friendliest on earth. I want you to welcome to the show our favorites, Larry, Steve, and Rudy, the Gatlin Brothers. Hey! Good hey, having you guys here. Good to see you. Thank you. Thank, Thank you all. You know what I find almost hard to believe, but it, it shows that you guys have been doing this since you were little bitty kids. 2020 will mark 65 years in the music business for you guys. That's right. I mean, you really did uh, seriously get started yeah. when you were tots, little bitty guys growing up out in West Texas. Uh, no way you could have imagined the career that the Gatlin brothers would have had at that point as little kids growing up out there, right? No, we're, we're very blessed. Uh, our mom and dad, uh, they schooled us in the word and they schooled us to, to love each other and take care of each other. They 
played uh, gospel music, uh, Blackwood Brothers and the Statesmen. We mm -hmm. knew that, and that's what we wanted to be was gospel singers. And I, the way we really got into the country music part of it, I tried out for the Imperials, the great gospel group. Yeah. And I would have been happy, you know, to be a, the baritone singer with the Imperials uh, forever. Uh, they were going to pay me 175 a week, and uh, they didn't. I didn't get the job, but Dottie West brought me to Nashville, and five years later won a Grammy for Song of the Year for Broken Lady. God had a different plan for us than that. When I grew up, I wanted to be the governor of Arkansas. Did you? Well, it's a pretty yeah. good gig. I can see why you'd want to do that. Because, Steve, it, it's a great gig. And they, there's a special place in Arkansas's heart for bass players. So you, oh, is that what it is? Right you could have made it. Rudy, what did you want to do? This right here. This it? This is it. Yeah. You're sitting on the couch talking to me. That's, That's it. That's it. Well, we you could, do other things. Yeah, okay. You know, growing up, we mowed yards and painted houses <laughs> and fences, did all the old field work, Yeah. But it, and I could do that again. I don't want to. <laughs> no. But I mean, your dad worked in the oil fields. Yeah. Uh, you know, you had a, a typical kind of hard work huh. life that so many people have grown up with. My guess is there were a few spankings along the way. <laughs> oh, few? <laughs> well, you got I mean, his little butt Because I know right you guys well day. enough. Every oh, don't tell me it was Rudy. <laughs> it was. Well, it was. Was it, it really? Oh, well, yeah. they were older, and they said, no, Dad, it wasn't no, us. Buddy. It was Rudy that did that. that poor, Rudy, I feel for you, because I have a feeling Larry was the worst of the bunch. <laughs> well, that, that may be true, oh. but I just believe well, who, you. No, I, I just, seriously, we didn't get many spankings because we were raised by a Marine Corps father who walked in and we learned to say, yes, sir, no, sir. <laughs> we did what we were supposed to do. It didn't take but one or two whippers to understand that you were gonna get another one, so. One of the things I've always admired about you guys, you still get along after all these years, your brothers, you've been entertaining together, but a lot of times, it doesn't always work out like that in a family. There's a lot of divisions and, and people don't even speak to each other anymore. What has been the secret? We don't talk to each other off stage. We never. Oh, you don't. No, this is as friendly as we get. <laughs> I think. I think part of part of it is we we are very different. We we really are different. Yeah. But we have a lot of things in common. We serve the same God. Mm -hmm. We have the same politics. Um, have the same mom and daddy. Well, yeah, but I'm saying thing. From there, we like and we like athletics. We like golf. We like we yeah. like sports. That's kind of uh -huh. it. But Larry is very much. Larry knows so much Shakespeare, it's scary. I can't even spell Shakespeare. I don't know what that, you know. So he, he's, he loves to read. Shakespeare? S-K-H-A-P-Spear. It's on the fishing. Uh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> real. Oh, that's, yeah. that's all I'm I can saying, call right there. That's right. I'm saying we read, we, we read and, and, and love different things. You know, I am, I am more from the, the logistics, managerial type stuff. And, and we just have creative different, not differences, but the music holds us together. Yeah. Well, the Gatlin brothers and I are gonna get ready to perform for you. And Keith is gonna tell you how you can stay connected to the Gatlins and to make sure that you know how to get their music for your own listening pleasure, whether on your smartphone, your home entertainment device, or if you're Joe Biden, on your record player. <laughs> The Gatlin Brothers are coming to a town near you. Just go to GatlinBrothers.com for their concert schedule. Larry, Steve, and Rudy are also in full sprint to help aid families grieving a military loss. They've launched a new running walking shoe that will be sold to help benefit the Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. That's TAPS for short. All resources and services are provided at no cost to military survivors. You can purchase these new sneakers to aid America's Fallen Military Heroes Project at newtonrunning.com. And be sure to watch their exclusive performance of all the Golden California after the show on Huckabee.tv. Now, here to perform a truly great American tribute that every American should listen to and love are Larry, Steve, and Rudy, the Gatlin Brothers! They have fed hungry people. They have clothed people who didn't have clothes. They built shelter for people sleeping out in the cold. They've done all the good things good people are supposed to do. Who 